0: All right, good morning, friends, and welcome. The Lord be with you. Thank you. My name is Becky. I'm on staff here at Pleasant Street Church. For those of you that are visiting with us online and worshiping with us, a warm welcome to you as well. We're glad that you have chosen to join us and make Pleasant Street Church your worshiping home this morning. I do have a couple of announcements. Um, First off, if you have not picked up a blue sheet when you came in, Michaela and Johnny, hold them up. This is a new song that we're going to sing this morning. And so just raise your hand and Michaela and Johnny will bring them around to you. And uh, I only have a certain number of copies, so you may need to share a little bit. But uh, it's a new song, and I think you're going to enjoy it. But I I know you, and I know that you like to have music. And so this will help you to learn that new song as well and jack there you are i'm going to invite jack crawford to come up this morning and he has a very special announcement for us
1: thank you becky and good morning members and guests and visitors that are here this morning on behalf of council i want to wish you a happy anniversary Um, No, you're not 125 years old, but the church is. And this is one of those periods where we want to look back over the last 25 years and see what the church has done, what has transpired, review some of the biographies of our former pastors. And um, the wheel has already been invented because through family members, uh, particularly my wife and my sister-in-law, they have provided me with copies of our 50th, anniversary, our 75th anniversary, and our 100th anniversary, which also included a pictorial directory. So as you may see in the bulletin, uh, there's an announcement that we are going to have festivities planned for this year. Our actual birth date is September 7th. So in the infinite wisdom of our forefathers, uh, we joined the Christian Reformed denomination as a church back on September 7th in 1896. And since it's in September, we hope that the virus will be behind us and we'll be able to plan a banquet or a get together or some festivities at that appropriate time. But in order to do that, we need some help. We need some help from you. Um, Some of the things that we're looking for are people that uh, are familiar with the history, things that um, you might have some gifts in regard to writing, photography, organizational skills, an interesting story, some old pictures which we haven't seen in some of these prior anniversary booklets. Uh, I've seen one where they're actually putting the church together back in 1929 that someone has. So if you have some of those skills, if you're interested in history, um, we have a lot of stories and um, we've reminisced with some people in the past. Jake Fetima was one of them who was uh, featured in one of our booklets. And Jake Fetima's family was one of the first families that came over here from the Netherlands. So what is your story? What are your tales? what are your remembrances? What would you like to share? What do you have for pictures? We'd like to get together. I have a sign-up sheet here that I'm going to post, or so you can see me, and we'd like to have you be part of that committee that will start the kickoff for 2021. And hopefully, with the Lords will, will have a positive year, a happy year and a year to celebrate. So we hope to uh, collect a few names, and hopefully that we can work with you on this project. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Jack. One thing that I forgot to mention is due to the rise in cases right now, we will not be hosting an in-person midweek. However, we have something very cool. There is going to be a whole church scavenger hunt and it will be a virtual scavenger hunt. There is information in the bulletin, and it was also in the email that went out this week. But there is a a scavenger hunt that is planned, and there's even a grand prize. So um, we look forward to having you be a part of that as well, and um, I think it'll be a good thing. So why don't we quiet our hearts now in a time of preparation. Lord our God, we trust your promise to be among us as we gather. We come in the name of Christ, drawn by your spirit, eager to hear your word. Fill our hearts with your spirit and prepare us for faithful service. Amen. I love how Jack talked about the church and that we're celebrating 125 years. That's a long time. 125 years of God's faithfulness, and we're going to celebrate that this morning as well with our call to worship. So as I light the Christ candle, which is a reminder that Jesus is here with us in our worship, I invite you to rise in body or in spirit. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations.
2: Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world.
0: Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may
3: sing for joy and be glad
0: all our days. Let's sing of God's faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases.
4: sisters, it is good to be with you together this morning. When we gather each week to uh, sing, to worship our God, we do so to remember that God remembers and to remember that we forget. We forget God's mercy. We forget that he is the one with the power and the authority, the one who rules and reigns over all things. And in his presence, we remember that we forget and we remember that he does not And so, friends, when we sing God's praises, we also take time to confess our sin, to lean on the faithfulness of our God, who is even now renewing us into his image and glory. Friends, when we confess our sin, we do so in the presence of Jesus, who is God's faithfulness expressed for us. Friends, would you join me in this prayer of confession? Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world, Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and turn them into bonds of oppression. Lord, Lord have mercy upon us, heal and forgive us, set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take a moment to make those words our own. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would hear these words that we offer silently to you, as well as those that we say together, and that you would hear us all in the mighty and merciful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Friends, when we come and we remember that we forget, we also remember that God forgives. We remember the character and the mercy of this God, and God has a reminder of that for you today. Hear God's forgiving and assuring words. Christ is our peace. Those who are divided, he has made one. He has broken down the barriers of separation by his death and has built us up into one body with God. To all who repent and believe, he has promised reconciliation. So live as people reconciled. Thanks be to God.
0: Of Christ be with you. Let's share that peace with each other.
2: Good morning. I'm John Vriesma, and I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street, and it is my privilege to lead you in prayer this morning. I first want to thank you on behalf of uh, my family for all the nice cards and texts and words of encouragement with my mother's passing. These are times of both sadness and assurance of God's faithfulness and love. And it is just uh, uh, an amazing thing uh, for your church family to love you so much. And so we just thank you so much for being a supportive family uh, with us by our side. Similarly, uh, Lynn H. also wants to thank all those who remembered her as well in prayer when she was in the hospital recently. She is now home and she is recuperating and does appreciate all your thoughts and prayers on her behalf as well. We also want to remember the nine Heisen Nidem families as they have lost loved ones. Grace earlier this week, Jim this weekend. We too grieve as we have lost church members that we dearly love. Seems like there's a lot of loss and sickness and just plain stress in our lives these days. As mentioned, we have lost loved ones in our church. Close friends and family members and church members are struggling with the virus, with cancer, with other physical difficulties, and with loneliness. Nationally, we're aware of political issues that cause us alarm or anxiety. Others may be struggling with job loss or with cutbacks. Feels lately that there's a real crush of issues that can overwhelm us. And it pushes me back to something very, very familiar in the Bible something that we just rely on, that we all know well, but so helpful to read over and over again, those famous lines of Psalm 23. I'd like to read that with you for a moment. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We all need these words of comfort and assurance from God in these difficult times. And I would like to incorporate some of those lines in my prayer this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Dear comforting and always present God, you promised to never leave us or forsake us. You love us so much, you would send your son to earth to suffer and die for us. You know us so intimately you could tell us how many hairs we have on our heads or how many hours or months or years we have left on this earth. You want so much to be with us that you are preparing a final, eternal home for us to be with you someday. It is you, Lord, that we love. And forgive us, Lord, when we forget that you are powerful and almighty and wise and good. Help us to find joy and hope in you. Lord, several of us have endured the loss of a loved one. We think of Rick and Leanne losing a father and father-in-law. We ask especially that you be near Rick's mom as she struggles with the loss of her lifetime companion and of many, many years. And Lord, bless her as she too is nearing the end of her life. Be with Rick as he is far from her and is limited in his contact with her. Lord, please comfort and encourage him. We think of the Knightham family losing Jim, their dear father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and we thank you for the legacy of faith that he and Jean have left behind. We also continue to remember the families of Ron and Grace and Fran. Lord, they too have very recently experienced the loss of a loved one. We'll miss them, Lord. We thank you for their testimonies of faith and for the love of you that they instilled in their families. And we are thankful for the knowledge of them being with you in their eternal home. While they have walked the darkest valley, the shadow of death, Lord, they are now in your comforting presence and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. We have a number of friends and members who are struggling with illness. Lord, we just praise you that Mark is off the ventilator and recovering. So many have prayed for him, Lord, and you have answered our prayers. We just praise you for that and continue to be with Lil and the family as well. Father, for Lynn, for Ruth and Steve, and for Don, we thank you for recovery. Be it slow and steady. Lord, may your healing hand be near them, and may they too feel the protection and deliverance of your rod and your staff. Lord, we also pray for John and Heidi, friends to many in the church. Just be near Heidi as she has endured another bout of cancer over the last few months. And Lord, just be near to her and to John. Thanks for the progress made so far. The good reports continue to touch her body with your healing. May they both feel your goodness and love. Lord, refresh their souls. Lord, we ask that you be with Wanda, as back pain, back pain has come again, and um, Lord, she's going to have an MRI this week. We just ask that you be near to her and that you would carry her through and you would just bring relief to this pain, Lord. Lord, we have started a, 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 this week, we have a new start in our nation. We ask that you bless all the new leaders, whether seasoned veterans or new to the job. We ask for wisdom in large measure, a smooth transition unity among different sides, and a spirit of wanting to serve you above all. We ask, Lord, that you would guide them along the right paths. Anoint our leaders' heads with oil, Lord, as your servants. May they seek to listen to you and be led by you as they serve. Lord, it's been nearly a year since COVID has entered our country and brought its devastation. A year later, we're still in the darkest valleys. Father, please bring relief soon. We ask that this vaccine would be safe and effective. Lord, bring safety and recovery. Bring restoration to businesses and families. For those most directly affected, either in terms of health or finances, Lord, bring your mercy. Help us to experience those green pastures of your provision, those calming waters of your spirit. Father, be with our staff here. As you are our great shepherd, they are our earthly shepherds. We thank you for Matthew and Howard and Becky and Annika and Kate and Sadie. And we thank you for the tech teams and music teams, for teachers and helpers, for all who use their gifts here, Lord. We ask your mighty blessing on them as they need to be creative and flexible in how they do their jobs in this COVID culture we experience now. We are just so grateful for them all. Just bless them, Lord. And Lord, in spite of our struggles these days, we are in your hands. We know that you are with us here. We know that someday we'll be with you in heaven. As David said, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What assuring words these are. You are with us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Father, we pray this in the name of our Shepherd and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
5: This morning we'll be reading from God's Word, Psalm 90. 14 through 17, which is found in page 480 in your pew bibles as well as Luke 5 1 through 11 page 835 When I am finished, we will be having a prayer Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And now from Luke. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets." And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the master fisherman and our friend. You taught your disciples to cast a wide net. Not for fish, but for people. Teach us the fishing craft. Make our fingers nimble so we may handle hearts and hands gently. Make our minds quiet and patient while we wait for those who are not yet ready to receive you. And make our hearts hungry for your word. Send your Holy Spirit now and capture our hearts once more with a gospel that is truly catching. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good
4: morning, friends. For those of you whom I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Matthew, and I'm the senior pastor here at Pleasant Street, and it's good to be with you. When the New Testament scholar Doug Carson was in college at McGill University in Canada... He got to know a graduate student named Dave. Carson was a Christian when he went into college, and in a moment of strange bravery, he went out on a limb and decided to start a Bible study in his dorm at his secular university. To his dismay, a whole 16 people showed up. What was even worse for this new college freshman was that many of them didn't know anything about Christianity. He felt totally out of his depth. But Dave, the graduate student, his room was down only one floor, just down the hallway. And Dave was known for two things. He was brusque, and he was very good at talking about Jesus with people who were curious. One day, Carson brought two of his friends from the Bible study down to Dave's room. Dave, hearing the knock on his oak room door, got up from his desk, piled high with papers and books, and invited Carson and his two friends in. Handing them each a cup of coffee, Dave sat down, and he turned abruptly to the first student, and he said, Why have you come to see me? Carson's first friend replied, Well, I've been going to this Bible study, and I realized that I should probably learn a bit more about Christianity. I'd also like to learn something about Buddhism and Islam and other world religions. I'm sure that I should broaden my perspectives, and college seems like a good time to explore religion. Dave stared at him with piercing eyes for a few moments. And then abruptly he said, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you. Carson said his jaw just about hit the floor. The student was also astonished. I, I beg your pardon, he said. Dave replied, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I only have so much time. If you have a dilettante's interest in Christianity, I'm sure that there are people around who can spend a lot of time and energy showing you the ropes. I I can introduce you to some of them, give you some books. When you're really interested in Jesus, come and see me again. Then Dave turned to the second student. Why did you come, he said. Carson says he held his breath. The second student was undeterred, though. He said, I come from what you might call a liberal home. We didn't believe the things that you do, but it was a good and happy home. My parents loved us, disciplined us, set a good example, and encouraged us to be courteous, uh, honorable, hardworking. And for the life of me, I can't see that you people who think of yourselves as Christian are any better Apart from a whole lot of abstract theology, what do you have that I don't? Dave stared at his second interlocutor. And then he said, watch me. Carson said his mouth hit the floor for a second time. The second student also was astonished. What? He said. Dave answered, watch me. Come and live with me for a month if you like. Be my guest. Watch what I do when I get up, what I do when I'm on my own, how I work, how I use my time, how I talk with people, what my values are. Come with me wherever I go. And at the end of the month, you tell me if there's any difference. Watch me. It's astonishing to... Us as well. I've known that story for years, and it still astounds me. That when asked to explain Christianity, to explain Jesus, to give a reason for the hope that lives within him, Dave presented his life and said, watch. But really, what Dave was saying, if you know the Bible, is is, he wasn't just saying watch, was he? Really, he was saying Follow. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Which, of course, is very much like the call that comes to Peter in Luke chapter 5, and to James and John, and to us. To follow Jesus, to watch Jesus so closely and so carefully that eventually our lives become... Catching. Simon, the the fisherman, is watching, and he is listening to Jesus today, and it lures him in. (laughs) Simon is, is cleaning his nets on the lakeshore, but he is the one who gets caught. And what catches Simon is not just the sermon that Jesus gave in his boat that day. It's the power of seeing Jesus at work right there in his life. There on the lakeshore, Jesus is talking about God. and, And though Simon couldn't bring in the fish that night, this morning Jesus is catching. There's a crowd that's gathered around him, swimming, I imagine, swarming, schooling perhaps. They have heard and they have seen something that they want in Jesus. But apparently, Jesus is after bigger fish today because Luke tells us that though he is preaching and teaching to the crowd, it is Simon that he's trying to draw in. Simon, very innocent question. May I use your boat for a moment? I just need to get out a little ways on the water so that I can speak to this crowd. Seems harmless enough. Simon puts out a little way in the water. Simon gets in the boat too. So there he sits, and there he listens while Jesus talks about God. And then, when it's all done, this man who speaks so beautifully, so powerfully about God, turns to Simon and says his name. Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon does, even though it doesn't make any sense. And they catch such a large number of fish. But Simon isn't watching the fish. He's watching this man. And the story isn't about catching fish. It's about catching Simon and making Simon someone who is catching too. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus makes a pun which we can't quite see in English. So bear with me for a second. Jesus is talking to a fisherman, and fishermen catch fish, and then they sell them at the market. Jesus says, from now on, you will catch, as in capture alive, people. Jesus is saying, no longer will you catch dead fish. Now you will catch dead people and make them alive. You will not catch to kill you will catch and release. And it is the same call that comes to us. Maybe not with the pun, but it's the same call that comes to us to follow Jesus and to live lives that are catching. Friends, Jesus sends us out to speak in a way that casts the glory of God far and wide. Jesus wants us to embody those words and live in a way that is catching. But if I think honestly about many of the things that we as Christians are casting right now, as in broadcasting, I am not sure we're catching very much. I think we are scaring the fish. A couple of months ago, when our family was in the thick of transition, we decided that it was also a good time, among everything else, to buy a couch. (laughs) Craigslist called, and I answered, and we found something that we liked, and I went to pick it up. Lovely couple. I don't know about for you, but I have found that Craigslist deals have resulted in some of the most interesting conversations for me, and this one did not disappoint. We were talking, and as sometimes happens, they found out that I was a pastor. It's a bit of an occupational hazard, I'm afraid. And they sort of darted their eyes at each other a little bit, and then they softly, tentatively asked, so... uh, is your church, you know, like meeting or following protocols? I explained, oh, yeah, that, that we were and that it was really important to us. And they breathed the biggest sigh of relief I've ever heard. And then they went on to explain why. They said that in their town, which was far away, there was a big church in town, which they had attended on and off at some point in the past. They weren't really sure, but they're not going back there anymore. You see, because they said that this church was publicly broadcasting, that they weren't going to follow anything. And these two casual church attenders with garden variety familiarity of Christianity, they knew enough to say... I don't know, I I just would have expected Christians to care more. Friends, Jesus calls us to gather people in the name of God, but I think we are scaring the fish. There's an online forum where recent graduates of my college can reflect on life after college together, and people write essays and poems there, and recently someone wrote a heartbreaking piece about everything that you all know too well about the recent election, and and in it the author was lamenting that they could not understand how the people who had taught them Sunday school when they were children could speak as they do online and in person about presidential candidates or political situations. Friends, Jesus calls us to live lives that are catching, but I think we are scaring the fish. Last week, I heard an interview with the theologian Daryl Bach, and he has a new book that just came out about living the gospel in a polarized time like ours. And, and even though that's familiar, there was something that he said just caught me up short, and I didn't know what to say. He said, right now, we as Christians are all embroiled in this country in a, in a culture war that's not going to go anywhere anytime soon, but we're fighting each other And those on the outside. And then he said this. He said, how is it that we have made people the enemy when Jesus calls us to make people the goal? Jesus calls us to live lives that are catching with gracious speech and iridescent hope. But I think we are scaring the fish. We cannot war at a people and catch them at the same time. We cannot broadcast smugness and catch a world with a vision of a kingdom that is unlike any power structure that we'll find here. We cannot broadcast resentment and catch a world with the good news that God reigns and rules over all things even now. We cannot broadcast this while all around us people are casting about for something significant to live for while they are floundering for a way to live in the world when the world is so full of pain and violence and disappointment. And if this is what we are casting into the world, is it any wonder that the nuts keep turning up empty But my friends, the good news of this gospel story is found in the fact that we don't have to look far for help, or a new way, or someone else worth watching, because Jesus has come to us. And Jesus is in the boat, and we hear his voice speaking both with conviction and grace. We hear Jesus who tells stories about the kingdom of God and about God to crowds that just lap it up. We see Jesus who can both have compassion on the powerless, the marginal, and sinners, and who calls sinners all to a different way. Jesus is in the boat, and he says to the exhausted and defeated, Simon, put out into deep water. It's an innocent request. And do you not see with Simon how silly this is? Jesus, remember, comes from this itty-bitty town up in the hills, meaning not by the water. He's a carpenter. He is a rabbi. So, in other words, totally the wrong guy to be giving fishing advice to a successful family business fisherman and his partners. And Jesus says, put out into deep water, even though it's broad daylight, and you can only fish at night. And he says, drop your nets as if you're going to catch something. And Simon says, Lord, I am exhausted. You might not know this, but we did that all last night, and nothing, nothing, Because you say so, I will put down the nuts. How's that for faith realism for us? <laughs> Lord, this seems like a waste of my time, but because you say so, I will put down the nuts. Lord, we have been fighting in our family for years and nothing, nothing good ever comes of it, and I am so tired. But because you say, ask and offer forgiveness, because you say, treat this person with compassion, I will put down the nuts. Lord, I neither understand nor care for my neighbor's views on anything. Their opinions exhaust me, and I do not recognize the world that they are living in. But because you say, love my neighbor, inquire after my neighbor, seek the good of my neighbor. I will put down my nuts. Oh, and friends, you know what happens next. There is such a great number of fish. There is so much that Simon did not even know was there and would have never found If he was not listening to the one who is in the boat, there is superabundance. There's so much that, that Simon has to invite. No, beg his colleagues to come and help. Did you see that? Come and help is what the disciples are saying. We need all the help we can get. There is too much here for us to manage on our own. We need you. We can't do this without you. And the crew is hauling fish. The boats are almost sinking. But Simon is looking at Jesus. Simon has an epiphany. (laughs) And he falls to his knees with the awareness that he deserves none of this. That the distance between Jesus and himself is very great indeed. And he says, Lord, you are too close to me. You don't know who I really am. You should be somewhere else. You should call someone else. I am a sinner. But thanks be to God that Simon is the only one who is surprised by that revelation. Jesus, however, is unfazed. Simon is overcome by the immensity of his unworthiness, but Jesus knows it isn't about earned worth, and it never was. And Simon will, too, when he follows Jesus and sees him die for him. But for now, Jesus, I imagine looking right at Simon, says, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus does not give Simon a great and overwhelming thing to do. Thanks be to God for that. He gives him a very simple thing. Now you will fish for people. Jesus takes this fisherman and he makes him a fisher of men, right? Jesus takes the work that Simon has learned how to do from the time he was a small child and he doesn't take it away. He gives it greater meaning and value and purpose, not less Jesus transforms Peter's work into service in his kingdom. And Jesus takes Simon's life and he turns it into a living witness, a flashing lure in the waters of this world of that kingdom. There is a great line tucked away near the end of the lion and the witch and the wardrobe and the Chronicles of Narnia. We just finished reading it to my older two. And near the end, after Peter and Susan and Edmund and Lucy become kings and queens of Narnia, I'm trying to give you too many details, but Lewis narrates a brief window into what they did while they were kings and queens. And he writes this, he says, They made good laws, and they kept the peace, and they saved good trees from being unnecessarily cut down, and they liberated young dwarves from having to go to school, and generally stopped busybodies and interferes and encouraged ordinary people who wanted to live and let live. And if we could riff on that last bit for a second, I think that we could just say that what Jesus calls us to be and to do is to be ordinary people who mend nets and care for children and wire homes and fix breaks and write code or books and cook and clean and live as people set free by Jesus so that we can learn to do all of those things in a way that is catching so that Jesus can set them free too. Jesus says, follow me. And that call always brings with it, my friends, abundance in the strangest places. And it will always mean leaving some things behind. And the only qualification for this new job of following God is knowing that we could never have earned it. And to follow closely behind the one who did. It is Jesus who is catching, not Simon. It is Jesus who is captivating, not us. We learn to catch by being caught by this man over and over again. We learn to love setting people free by being freed by this man who dies for us and seeing it over and over again. We learn to speak by listening to Jesus speak to us, which, after all, is what a disciple is, a learner, a watcher, someone who gets up and tries again and again. One who is learning to say, Lord, because you say so. I will put down the nuts. Brothers and sisters, our job never was to make the world into the church. It is to invite people in the world into the church so that they might experience a new world. So that they might be made new. Just like you. And how do we know if they'll take the bait of compassion? (laughs) How do we know if the flashes of genuine forgiveness that we try to offer will catch? How do we know if Jesus' cross will reveal his glory to them in a world that can be so dark? Well, I mean, they caught us, didn't they? Friends, do not be afraid from now on. You will fish for people. Oh, and Jesus might add, don't forget to bring the nets in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the master fisherman and our friend. You taught your disciples to cast a wide net, not for fish, but for people. Teach us the fishing craft. Make our fingers nimble so that we may handle hearts and hands gently. Make our minds quiet and patient while we wait for those who are not yet ready to receive you. And make our hearts ever hungry for your word. Send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit now, captured once more by a gospel that is truly catching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I would invite you now to rise in body or in spirit, whether in place or at home. And let's sing a new song, Oh Church, Arise. It'll be on the screen, and you have the music in front of you.
0: Are you ready? You're going to like it.
2: we fight. With-
4: Sisters, I'd invite you to remain arised in your seats and hear the reminder that the God who has gathered us here into his presence is the same God who sends us out in the light of his gospel and hope. The God who turned away his face from his son has now, because of that, turned his face toward us, smiles upon us, and will not change his mind. In that abundantly good news, go with these words of sending. Go out into the world in peace, have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Help the suffering. Honor all. In the... Love and serve the Lord. Rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, together we say.
0: With God's help, we will.
4: And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen.